Christians claim that the Bible is God's word, but didn't human beings write it? And if people wrote it, how can we trust that what it says is true? How do we know that the stories in the Bible actually happen the way they are written? And what do we do with all the supernatural stuff, like miracles and the resurrection? These are just some of the questions we plan on answering in this new series of discussions on whether or not we can trust the Bible. The Christian faith is dependent upon the words of the Bible being true and having inherent authority. If the Bible is merely a product of men and it's filled with errors and contradictions, well then it can't be trusted. But if what it says actually comes from God and it's true and reliable, that's a different story. This is Grant. And this is Jerome. You're listening to Reconcile, where we explore how Jesus finds us where we are, wherever we are, and leads us to where we need to be. Okay, so welcome back. So Jerome, when you say the authority of Scripture, you mean the words of the Bible have some moral claim on us or some right to tell us how to live, right? Yes, but strictly speaking, it's not Scripture that is authoritative, but the God who spoke the words written in Scripture. So when we're talking about the authority of Scripture, we're really talking about the authority of God, that God, as the creator of the universe, has the inherent right to tell us what to do and how to live. Okay, and Christians believe that the Bible is God's word. So in the Bible, God is telling us what to do and how to live. Exactly. God's voice is what makes the Bible authoritative. But didn't human beings write the Bible? Yes, they did. So, hold on. Is the Bible the word of God or the word of men? Yes, it is. (laughs) It's both. The Bible claims to be the word of God written by the words of men. So God spoke his words and he expressed his thoughts through the words of people. So you're saying scripture is like the collaborative effort between God and people. But that doesn't sound right because the Bible itself claims that people are fallible. That would mean that the Bible would be filled with all kinds of errors and mistakes. Why should we trust it if human beings had anything to do with it? It's a valid question. Uh, It might help to read a few verses that explain what the Bible claims about itself. So here's the Bible talking about the Bible. This is 2 Timothy 3 verses 16 and 17. It says, All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So the word scripture means not just any old book or any old type of writing, but refers to a special kind of writing, sacred writing. To the Apostle Paul, who wrote these words, and he was Jewish, Scripture would have meant the Old Testament. Okay, so I'm going to stop you there. So what exactly does he mean when Scripture says God breathed? Like it came out of his mouth? Because I thought God was a spiritual being. Does he even have a mouth? (laughs) No, it's, it's just an image, so don't take that literally. And you're right, God is spirit, therefore he has no physical body, he has no physical mouth, and he has no physical breath. So this is an image taken from the model of human speech. Now, the word for breath there is actually the same word for air or wind or spirit. And the idea is that when God spoke, he breathed out the words out of his quote-unquote mouth. So the purpose of speech then is, you know, to reveal what you're thinking. Speech is the communication from one mind to another. And our minds are in communication right now. So if I said, you know, Grant, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind, well, I can 
the only way I can do that clearly is by telling you, by speaking to you. So there are some things that we can communicate non-verbally, but to communicate clearly requires speech because our minds are private territory. Like if we wanted to, we could guard our minds against intrusion. Secrets are kept in the mind. So if I asked you what's on your mind, well, then you've got two options. You could remain silent and you can keep your mind hidden from me, or you can reveal your mind through speech. So in the words of the Bible, God is revealing his mind. So it's his revelation? Exactly. Uh, Otherwise, God's mind, what he wants and what he likes, etc., is a complete mystery to us. And if limited human minds are hidden from others except through speech, well, how much more is that true of the infinite mind of God? God says in the book of Isaiah, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So there's this infinite gulf between our minds and God's mind. His thoughts are completely unattainable, undiscoverable to us unless he tells us, he reveals us, he speaks his mind and communicates his thoughts to us in a way that we can understand them. And that's why we have the Bible. So you said before that his communication in the Bible is through the agency of humans. Explain that process. Hmm. How did God get his message to people? Did he verbally shout it out into the sky so that they could hear it? Or was it some other method? Yeah, no, he didn't, he didn't breathe out his words into the ether or like shout audibly into space or, uh, you know, drop golden tablets from a clear blue sky. In fact, that's what Joseph Smith's claim uh, was of the Book of Mormon, that they were golden tablets and he found some sort of device to uh, interpret them or translate them. God spoke his words and he expressed his thoughts through the words of people. Now, this also doesn't mean that God asked the authors to take notes, like they were sort of mindless uh, dictation machines. Um, That would be more akin to the Muslim claim that Allah literally dictated every word of the Quran in Arabic to Muhammad. Now, instead, when God spoke his word through human authors, they were using their human faculties freely. They uh, engaged in historical research. Their, Their writing reflects their culture and their education and their personality. They developed their own syntax and vocabulary and literary style. They emphasized different themes depending on their audience. But that sounds like these authors were just writing things down like any other author. Were they self-consciously aware that they were writing God's message, Mm. or were they just doing their own thing and didn't know God was speaking through them? That's a good question. There's a number of passages that indicate that the authors were aware uh, that they were speaking Uh, and writing God's word. For example, in the Old Testament, whenever like a prophet was going to deliver a message from God, he might say something like, thus says the Lord, or God himself would say to the prophet, go and say to them, thus says the Lord. In fact, the word prophet in the Old Testament means mouthpiece, and to prophesy means to speak forth. It's forth-telling. So the prophets were God's spokesmen, and through them, God was revealing things that would otherwise be hidden from us. So, and God intended for his spokesmen to know they were speaking God's message. But that's the Old Testament. How about the New Testament writers? Well, a couple of New Testament examples. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Corinthian church, he, uh, he said in 1 Corinthians 2, he said, We, meaning the apostles, 
impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. So he's aware there that he's speaking God's hidden wisdom. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So showing an awareness there of God's Spirit. Uh, In another book, the book of Ephesians, Paul said, The mystery was made known to me by revelation. You used that word earlier. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So there's a very clear indication there that God is making his his hidden uh, mysterious will made known uh, through the writing of Paul. And then another passage back in Corinthians in chapter 14 Uh, Paul wrote, if anyone thinks that he's a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. In other words, Paul understood that his writings carried uh, a weight of authority, the, the authority of God's revelation. And John talks about this as well. In fact, the last book of the Bible is called in English, Revelation. And it begins with him saying that God revealed or he made known to John, this prophecy. And so sometimes people call this process that we're talking about inspiration. Like as in God inspired them to write his message? Yes, um, but really not in the same way that we might use that word inspiration. Sometimes we use it like a musician or an artist would be inspired to create a piece of music or a painting or something. Peter says, uh, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the point there is that the words of Scripture didn't originate in the imagination of the prophet or the imagination of the writer as if they just you know, thought them up. Rather, God spoke through them by his Spirit. They were carried along by the Spirit, like how wind would fill the sails of a ship and would drive it in a certain direction. So while the prophet spoke and wrote... Their message is being directed by the Spirit of God. I guess I'm having a bit of a hard time understanding this dual authorship concept. Mm -hmm. Because to me, it's either the Word of God or the Word of man. And if there is a human element, it just doesn't seem trustworthy. It's a very challenging concept. but And we might not completely understand it. But it's not something that Christians should find scandalous because... The Bible itself plainly says it is the word of God through the words of humans. For example, the book of Jeremiah begins like this. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, so on and so forth. And then it says, to whom the word of the Lord came. Well, is it the word of Jeremiah or is it the word of the Lord? Well, it's both. Or the book of Nehemiah says all the people told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. And then later on in Nehemiah, it says they read from the book from the law of God. So it's just as much the word of Jeremiah and the law of Moses as it is the word of the Lord and the law of God. So the Bible says equally God spoke through men and men spoke from God. That's the biblical balance, that God breathed these words out of his own mouth through the mouths 
of human authors. So it is challenging. But uh, on the one hand, God spoke, deciding what he wanted to say. But as he said it, he didn't smother the personality uh, or the will of the human authors. But on the other hand, men spoke from God and they were using their faculties freely, yet not in such a way that would distort the message that God wanted them to convey. Okay, the biblical authors claim they had some kind of special spiritual experience and then wrote all that down, but where is the proof? Mm. Who is to say they weren't just making it all up? Well, in later episodes in this series, we're actually going to explore that question in more detail. But for now, uh, the argument that the authors of the New Testament make is that they were eyewitnesses to the things that happened. They saw Jesus do the miracles. They heard Jesus teach. They witnessed his death and, to their surprise, his resurrection. And the Apostle Peter says that we also have this Old Testament that's confirmed and made even more certain because Jesus fulfilled all of the promises written in it about him when he died on the cross and he was resurrected from the dead. Sure, this is what the Bible claims about itself, but isn't using the Bible to prove the Bible just circular reasoning? You can't offer the Bible as evidence for itself. That is a very common claim, and you would think that that would be circular reasoning. You know, the Bible's true because it says it's true. But we have to remember that the Bible is actually not one book. It's a collection of 66 different ancient documents. And these various documents were written by different authors that span centuries and continents and cultures. As we've been saying, that the Christian claim, the biblical claim, is that each writer was guided in his writing by God. So God's authorship is what links all of these books together into the greater canon of Scripture that we call the Bible. So in order to assess them as one document, one would have to assume a single authorship. Yeah, and that's what makes the accusation that the Bible, that using the Bible to prove the Bible is circular reasoning is actually a self-defeating argument because it assumes the basic unity of all of the books of the Bible being one, which usually is what people using this argument are trying to argue against. It's, it's an argument that assumes what Christians claim is true, that all Scripture is God-breathed. For example, even within the New Testament, there are four separate accounts of the life of Jesus. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we sometimes call the Gospels. And obviously, there's a lot of overlap in those stories, and some of the same stories are told, while others are unique to this book or that one. And if we judge them on their own merits as separate historical documents, we can fact-check them against each other to prove their validity. Like multiple testimonies in a court case. Right, yeah, they each stand on their own, and they have unique qualities, but they also can be taken together and corroborated to give you a more complete picture. And the same is true with the rest of the New Testament and the whole Bible. There are 27 documents in the New Testament, and they are, for the most part, all contemporary with one another. So you've got 27 independent historical sources all testifying to the same story of Jesus saying the same things, essentially, that he died on the cross, he was raised from the dead, uh, you know, he appeared to a bunch of people after his resurrection, and then he ascended into heaven, and he'll come again. So from the historian's perspective, to have you know, 27 independent ancient documents all written within a few decades of one another and all talking about the same events, that is unparalleled. So you mean it's unusual that there's this large amount of evidence? 
Yeah, there, there's nothing that even comes close to that amount of historical evidence. So even if we don't consider the New Testament documents as scripture, as inspired writings, uh, God breathed, we still have to regard them as legitimate historical documents because that's what they are. So in the coming episodes, we'll talk more about judging these documents on their own historical merit. Scripture claims to be God's word, written through the words of people who were guided by the Holy Spirit. The Bible makes some very bold claims, but because Christians believe the words of Scripture are God-breathed, they follow it as the authoritative voice in their lives. Join us next time as we discuss the validity of the New Testament documents. Thanks for listening.